Good morning, everyone. It, it is so good to be here. So I, I did know uh, Ryan, I was the youth worker here, so I, I knew Ryan as this little nipper running around the streets um, who tortured me from time to time. So I've, I've, I've lots of stories I could tell about Ryan. I also have lots of stories I could tell about Cherith, and I did on her wedding day, so I, I'll not embarrass her again. But it is such a privilege uh, to be here on this special day for Ollie and Annie being baptized. It's a privilege for me to be here, and it's a privilege uh, to watch these guys uh, become parents and grow as parents, and we look forward to seeing how they handle it all um, as they go forward with parenthood. Um, in church, over the last number of weeks, we have been focusing on prayer, and um, we've been focusing on prayer and looking at how and why we should pray and how and why um, we need to pray, but also the reason why we pray. And we've been doing that for a number of weeks, and you've heard there's a 24-7 prayer room in the back of church where lots of people have been taking opportunities to come and commit to an hour of prayer and finding actually that it's not as difficult or as hard as they thought it might have been. So prayer is this amazing gift we have as followers of God. It's this incredible gift that we can use in any place at any time to talk with God. Whenever I say with God, I, I mean it is with God in that it's a two-way conversation. We get to talk to him, but we also get to hear him talk back to us. This is the beauty of prayer. In effect, when we pray, we're learning to listen to God. There's a great quote from Mother Teresa, and it says this, God speaks in the silence of the heart. Listening is the beginning of prayer. So prayer is how we get to be a better friend of God. This is the way I view prayer as Christians. It's our daily bread and has great power and comfort. Prayer is how we get to understand God more and how he gets to have a deeper friendship and relationship with us. It's not this one-way conversation where we just give all our concerns and worries and anxieties and wish lists to sort of some shrink in the clouds that doesn't talk back to us. Prayer is this two-way conversation where we get to hear also what God has for us. It is special, it's intimate, and it's personal. I love this little quote that I found about prayer says this, prayer is the most powerful weapon against trials, the most effective medicine against sickness, and the most valuable gift for someone you love. So for Ryan and Meg and for Cherith and Kieran, for friends and family, you love little Ollie and Annie, and one of the greatest gifts you can give them is to commit to pray for them. It's one of the greatest gifts for people we love to be able to pray for them. I believe God has a love language and his love language is time. He longs to be with us. He wants an intimate and personal relationship with each of us. Prayer is the way that we embrace that love. Prayer is often the litmus test of how close our personal relationship with God is. Last week, Lawrence looked at how to pray and gave us some great pointers. And I love the simple anagram that he used from Pete Gregg's book. Um, if you're like me, I like simple things. So it is the word pray, which helps us to pray. So it's pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. 
And Lawrence was teaching us simple ways for how to pray. So as we come to pray, we pause and we listen. And we rejoice in who God is and what he's done for us. And then we ask and we yield as and we surrender. We give it over to God. And today I'm focusing on this, uh, the A of pray, which is ask. Specifically, I want to think about some big asks we can make to God. And God can handle our big questions. God can handle our big asks. However, as I, as I sort of talk about prayer and uh, we start to focus on prayer, lots of us feel a little bit insecure or intimidated. Um, and maybe you feel like me because uh, uh, you feel you're not praying enough. You feel that actually your prayer is maybe become a little bit programmable or predictable or ritualistic or just sort of uh, we quick prayers here and there, and you feel intimidated whenever people start to pray. And whenever I wrote down that little uh, phrase, um, uh, prayer is often the litmus test of how close our personal relationship is with God, it, it was actually a, a like, oh dear, um, if I was to take a litmus test, I will fail because I don't feel my prayer life is up to scratch. And we get intimidated or we feel insecure talking about how much or how little we pray. I think for each of us, no matter where we are in our journey of faith, it is always good to sort of recalibrate or re-enter the room as such. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we often think our faith is always dependent on how we perform. It's always dependent on how good we are. The disciples had grown up and they had a very regular set pattern of prayer. They knew how to pray. They would pray at regular moments throughout the day. And they would do that all their lives from they were little uh, small children. So they knew about prayer and they knew how to pray. But whenever they met Jesus, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. It's not that they didn't know how to pray, but they seen a new way to pray. And they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Sometimes we need to readjust our prayers and readjust our attitude to prayer. And the best way that we can recalibrate or readjust our attitude to prayer is we need to think about how God receives our prayers. We need to think about how he receives our prayers rather than how we pray our prayers. And this is one of my favorite uh, verses in, in the whole Bible. It's Psalm 116, verse one and two. This helps us refocus uh, on how God receives our prayers This is David the psalmist and he writes this, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. This verse teaches us so much about recalibrating our attitude towards prayer to get a fresh perspective of what prayer is. David is saying that his love for God is because of the very fact that God is a God who listens to us. He actually listens to us. We're not just praying into an empty space or just praying into the clouds. We have a God who listens and he listens very well. He hears our prayers. I love the Lord. Why? Because he hears me. He listens to me. I love this image of our heavenly father bending down to listen that David pictures for us. He's like cupping his ear 
trying to listen to our asks and our prayers. Ryan and Megan, Kieran and Cherith, you, you, soon Ollie and, and little Annie, will be, they'll be asking you lots of questions, lots and lots of questions, okay? And you'll not know all the answers. And lots of times it'll just be yes, love, no, love. And, and lots of times it'll be, I don't know, because they'll ask you some random questions. But they'll ask you so many questions. But sometimes you will just bat them off and say, no, you can't do that, or yes, go ahead, without even knowing they've asked, because you just want them to get on with it. But then other times you're going to have to crouch right down. You have to get on your knees and look them in the eyes. Ask them what's going on in their life. And bend down and engage them if they're talking about their toys or they've cut their knees and you, you crouch down, you look them in the eyes and you say, what was that you were sending me? And they know that they've got your attention. And that's the image that, that David paints for us, that God is crouching down, looking us in the eyes and saying, what was that you said? What was that you were asking of me? You see, he's crouching down with his ears cupped, desperate to hear our prayers. He's desperate to hear our questions. He's desperate to have those intimate conversations with us. He looks us in the eye and says, what was that? What did you ask of me? And when David thinks of God in this way, he responds with, wow, this is why I will pray as long as I have breath because he's interested in what I have to say, because he takes time to bend down and listen. I have a God who hears me. This is why I want to pray, not out of some obligation, not out of some ritual, but because the fact that God wants to listen and he looks me in the eye and he says, what was that? The emphasis is on how God is eager to hear us and listen to us rather than on how much we have to say and what we even have to say. The emphasis is on how eager he is to hear us. If you have been around church for a while or even just looked from the outside in, it often looks and feels that if you work in a certain way and if you say certain prayers in a certain way and perhaps live a certain way, then you get a certain result from God. If I just work harder for God, if I pray more, maybe I'll take one of those overnight slots in the 24-7 prayer room because it's really holy, right? Or, or maybe I'll read my Bible more, I'll give more, I'll fast more, I'll do more, I'll be nice more, whatever that is, and, and we get up the scale and suddenly we're over here and then that means that God will respond to me. That means that God will hear me. Surely I deserve a response from God if I'm doing all these things, Right? There is some unwritten correlation with how much effort I put into how much blessings I get out. Surely that's only fair. We don't say it like that, do we? But it's how many of us live our faith. We feel entitled to more. And this is exactly how the Pharisees in the days of Jesus seen it. They were the ones who felt entitled. They thought they had earned a special place at the table. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees fundamentally and primarily worshipped God with their minds. It was an intellectual endeavor. A great book by a guy called James Smith that says, you are what you love. That's the name of the book. It describes our modern discipleships also as an endeavor primarily as an academic pursuit of God. 
that we search for God with our minds as if, he uses this sort of picture, as if human beings were just a brain on a stick. Nothing else matters, just your brain. And if we can cram as much information into our brain about God, well then that's how we will understand him more. If we can cram as many quotes about God and things about God into our brain, nothing else matters. It's a powerful image. Again, we don't say it like that. But the more head knowledge we can acquire, then that's how we can follow God more closely. Like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, we have made following God about head knowledge and not heart knowledge. And this has resulted in much of our discipleship in our churches focused on making believers strong enough just in their mind like to survive culture. Oh, it's really bad out there, but if I get enough in my mind of knowing what to do and what not to do, I can survive rather than actually bold enough in our hearts that we can transform culture as Christians because we know the power and the love of Jesus in us. That's not just all head knowledge but heart knowledge. Jesus didn't come to convince our minds. He came to capture our hearts. He touches us at our core. He longs for an intimate relationship with us, not a distant relationship built on how many quotes we know about him. Heart knowledge of God is learned in prayer with him, not in quotes about him. An intimate relationship with Jesus is caught, not just taught. Love is not learned in a textbook. We can encounter Jesus through the Holy Spirit in prayer that we couldn't learn in school or academic college or Bible college. We can't put the encounter into words. When I encounter Jesus, lots of times I just, I just cry. Embarrassing, I know. I'm a bit of a crybaby. But lots of times when I encounter Jesus, I just cry. And it's for the simple reason that I've never got over the joy of the fact that he actually loves me. I've never got over the joy of his forgiveness in my life. I've never got over the joy that he saved me. Creeps up on me and surprises me all the time. If you're here and visiting, please do not think Christianity is about a bunch of set rules and laws, a set list or a formula of doing things. I had a Chinese meal last night with my kids. We got a selection, a variety of Chinese. As you, as you know, when you go into Chinese, you can get a set menu and get different things. We had a Chinese, actually it wasn't a great Chinese to be fair. But anyway, we, we get a Chinese meal and we, we pick a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a, a little bit of... Church of Ireland, a little bit of Catholic, a little bit of Baptist, little, whatever it is, and we, we munch it all together, and, and that's our little formula that comes out. Or as long as we're again, tick, I've prayed, tick, I've read my Bible, tick, I've gave my money, tick, I've, I've fasted, whatever your little combination or formula is, then at the bottom in small print it says, now God loves you, or now God sees you, or now that you've done all these things, now, now you're okay. That is not Christianity. Our faith and following of Jesus is far more beautiful and intimate than that. Our faith is, it's more art than science. It's more a, a dance rather than a march. It's more a song and a melody rather than a chant. Our faith in Jesus is intimate and alive and prayer 
is part of how we understand that love language of God. So we can know Jesus, really know him on a register far deeper than our intellect, far deeper than our minds. It's a belief that we can carry in our very bones, in our heart, that Jesus loves me, that I'm his, and we can't put it into words or a clever tweet, even though we may try. So, in saying all that, how do we ask for things of God? How do we ask him for the things that concerns us? And I want to tell you a little bit of a story about one of my first big asks of God, and and I wasn't a Christian, and that's why I want to tell this one. I was probably 15 years old. Um, I grew up in Antrim in um, a a real loyalist working class community um, in a little council estate in Antrim, and um, yeah, my mum kicked my dad out of the house when I was like five or six. So I grew up without a dad, but I was the youngest of four. So I have an older brother and two older sisters. My older brother then thought he was like the dad of the house because he was the big brother. Like, no, you're not your dad. You can't tell me what to do. You're my brother. Leave me alone. So it was that kind of relationship. Now, I love my brother and it was great and that was all good. But he had that sort of thing where he could tell me what to do because he was the big brother and I was the wee baby. Uh, but as we grew up, that was all fine. Uh, but when you get into the teenage years, you, you rebel a little bit against anybody in authority, never mind just your brother who's not your dad. So that was that kind of relationship. Uh, but my brother became a Christian when he was about 18, 17, 18. So I was like 14 or 15. And our relationship changed. Looking back, it was because of that. I didn't know it at the time, but he started to treat me differently. And we started to have a different kind of relationship. But as I said, we grew up in this council estate and we got to, at 14 and 15 years old, drive like the cars around the estate. We thought we were the lads, okay? So at 14 year old, a Ford Escort XR3i back in the day was the best car, okay? There was one in our estate that one of the older guys had. It was like metallic blue. Metallic paint had just come out. It had a spoiler. It was quite a nice car. We got to drive it at 14. We thought we were the lads, Okay, but we didn't know this was actually how these older guys groomed us into the paramilitaries. Didn't have a clue. So one day in the back of said Ford Escort XR3i, metallic blue with spoiler, they, they say to me, Jasper, do you want to join a youth club? And I was like, well, what do you do in this youth club? Because we would go to the youth clubs in the school, and I also went to some of the churches. Uh, and they said, well, we just hang around the shops, we drive the cars, we hang out with the older lads. And I was like, well, sure, we do that anyway. Yeah, I'll join. And once I said, I will join, they said this. Well, there's a few rules. This is them. You can't talk to Catholics. You can't associate with Catholics. In fact, you have to hate Catholics, is what they said. I knew this wasn't any normal youth club. And inside, my heart was breaking. There was two Catholic families in my council estate and one of those families was my best friend. They knew I didn't want anything to do with this. They knew this was nowhere near on my radar. I was so naive, my friend was beside me. He was already in this for a year and I didn't even know. And I went home that, well, that night they initiated me. We had to go, we picked up some of the older lads who I knew in the estate and we, we dropped them off. I just had to sit in the front seat with the driver. We dropped them off and they went and they petrol bombed a prison officer's house because the prison officers were mistreating the loyalist prisoners and I just had to be a part of it. And then we picked them up in a different alleyway and I remember them getting back into the car all pumped up with hatred and thinking they were the hard lads. And I was broken inside. And I went home and and this is the embarrassing bit. Me and my brother, council estate, we had two single beds, um, but we used to throw all our 
like dirty socks and pants down the middle and we never knew whose was whose. So we thought if we got a double bed, at least we would have a side each where we would know whose dirty pants is whose dirty pants. Okay, so I shared a double bed with my brother. There you go, that's an embarrassing thing. I didn't tell any of my friends that, but I shared a double bed with my brother so we could have our own mess on our own side of the bed. So I got home that night to pick up the story and my brother was asleep and I get into bed just, this was not me. I didn't want anything to do with this. And I sort of, as you can picture the scene, I, I like spoon up behind my brother. So I'm, I'm trying to hug him in the sort of spoon position so he, he doesn't wake up and like slap me. Uh, but I, I don't want him to know that I'm trying to hug him. And in my mind, this is the, it's not the first time I've hugged my brother, but it's maybe the first time I really wanted to hug him, like properly hug him. And I, and I sort of like throw the arm over him and assume the spoon position. We all know the spoon position, okay? And I'm hugging my brother. And he's sleeping away. And this is my big ask of God. I say, God, will you be my God as you are my brother's God? Lord, will you be my God like you're his God? And Lord, will you take me away from this? A rescue prayer. A help me prayer. Many people in this room have prayed rescue prayers and help me prayers and get me out of here prayers. You see, we have a God who hears our prayers and our big asks even when we're not Christians. Many of you have prayed prayers from a young age and God hears your prayers. Remember, Christianity is not a bunch of things we tick the box for. God hears you whatever state you come to him in. The lie of the enemy is that he only hears your ass and answers your pleas when you're fully in love with him and you've got everything fully sorted out, then God might answer your prayers. And that is a lie of the enemy. You do not need to pretend this morning. You do not need to have it all figured out or all together this morning. You do not need to hide from God this morning. The wonderful truth about our God is that he longs for you to come as you are. He longs for you to ask him to help you. He will meet you right where you are today. Are you hiding from God? Are you afraid to ask him something? Do you think you have to have it all figured out before you can even ask? Maybe some of you have stopped asking him things and you need to ask again. Psalm 139 says this, you go before me and follow me. You're, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. It's an incredible psalm. One of the big asks this morning that some people need to ask is for the hand of God's blessing to be on your head. That God would stretch out his hand towards you and that you will know his presence. That you can't escape it or escape him. That you encounter him in a way that marks you forever. The prayer for these two beautiful babies today is that God, the Lord, our God, would place his hand of blessing on each of their heads. That's our prayer for, for Ollie and Annie this morning. What a lovely prayer to ask, not just out 
to the clouds or into the open space, but to the God who bends down and listens that he would stretch his hand of blessing. And hear our prayers for Annie and for Ollie, for your children, for my children, for your friends, for your family. Scripture teaches us that we can come and give our requests and asks with confidence. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says this, we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. It's an incredible bit of scripture. Other scriptures say the same thing. We can be confident that God hears us. And since we know that he hears us, since, he know, since we know that he hears what we're asking for, we can ask for anything. Now, it doesn't say just because we can ask for anything, it doesn't say that he will give us everything, which we would love that to be true, but that's not the truth. As Lawrence said last week, God is not a God who is a genie. He is a God who is the Father. He's not a genie God. He's God the Father. And a good father knows what to give his children. A good father also knows what not to give his children. My kids have wanted a mobile phone from like four years old. It's not a good idea to give your child a phone at four years old. We, we know this. My kids would love to sit on the Xbox or watch Netflix for hours every day. It's not good. I'm learning how to be a good father. I've never done this before. I'm learning as I go. But I'm pretty sure that's not good for them to do all the time. I know what is good for them, and I also know what is not good for them. How much more the Father knows what is good for us and what is not good for us. But these verses do say, however, that if we ask of him things that please him, then he will give us. So then the logical question is, what are the kinds of things that please God? Those are the things that we should be asking for. And that's how I want to finish. I want to finish with some things that I am confident and know that pleases God. And there's lots, but just three things that we can pray this morning that please him. So the first is this, and we've talked about it already. Ask for help. There's a little picture here um, of, a, of an artist. He's called Charlie Maxey. It's a picture, he draws these, he's a Christian artist, he does these paintings of a boy and a dog and a mole and a big horse. And I don't know if you can, see, if you can read that, it says, um, uh, I can't even read it. Uh, what is the bravest thing you've ever asked or ever said, says the boy? Help, says the horse. The little boy on the big strong horse asking him a question, what's the bravest thing you've ever asked? And the big strong horse says, help. It pleases God that you come to him and ask for help. Help me, Lord. Rescue me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Hear me, Lord. Love me, Lord. Recognize me, Lord. Some of you need to ask for help this morning for your situation that you're in. Cry out to him. Second thing is this, ask for others. Some of the big asks you need to ask this morning are for others, for family and friends who need God in their lives and for God to meet them. For the hand of God's blessing as we talked about for your friends and your family. For healing, for comfort, for strength. And it always pleases God when we pray for others. Ask for others this morning.
And lastly, ask to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Here's the big ask that we all need to do. We need to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a big ask because again, it is us relying on God. It is a posture of the heart rather than the mind. When we ask to be filled by the Holy Spirit afresh, we're being vulnerable and saying, God, I need more of you in my life. I need you. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Maybe for the first time or the 500th time, Lord, I need you. Have your way with me, Jesus. Come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. So that's what we're gonna do for a couple of minutes. Gonna ask the band, gonna ask the prayer ministry team to come up but we're just gonna have a couple of minutes of silence just for you uh, to pray some prayers to God because we've talked about prayer and you've listened to it, but actually let's just ask God some of these prayers that we have. And there may be other things that you want to ask God. And sometimes in the silence, God speaks the loudest. So we're just gonna have a couple of minutes of silence and then we're gonna lead into some worship. And there'll be people here who would love to also pray for you to to. In scripture, it talks about uh, putting on hands, laying on hands of each other because God loves to involve us together in prayer. These guys would love to bless and pray for you. But just where you're sitting, you can ask God some of these things for help for others and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But we're just gonna have some silence for a few minutes as we all do that. And then we're going to also sing and pray. Let our prayers be our praise and our praise be our prayers. And can I say this? Everyone in this room, Everyone in this church is qualified. Everyone is qualified to ask. Nobody is disqualified to ask of our Lord. Everyone can ask him this morning. Everyone, young and old, going for God, not going for God. Know him, don't know him. Everyone is qualified to ask God to speak to him today. And he bends down and cups his ear to listen to us. So just where we are, we're going to have a few minutes of silence. Just close your eyes and ask the Lord some big asks this morning.